And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Hello, Dr. Manson. At Dr. Manson. No, that's not true. Doc Manson. Hello, Dr. Manson. At Doc Manson. I, I give up, Doc. I'm done. Hello, you're have to, Derby you're... Clark Matthews. <laughs> at the Derby Clark. I mean, at the DC Matthews. Derby Clark would be a good name. You look like a Derby. Thank you. You're welcome. If I wear a Derby, am I double Derby? Double... Double Dirty Derby. Oh, man. Don't give me a double dare. Don't give Double Dirty Derby a double dare. I wouldn't dream of it, good sir. While this isn't an episode of The List, just off the top of your head, what was your favorite Nickelodeon show growing up? Uh, boy, that's difficult. Are we just talking I have my thoughts. I'm, I'm talking like game show. It's probably Double Dare. Really? I mean, what other game shows were there? I mean, there was Legends of the Hidden Temple. That would see. That would be the one that I would be like, I could see you getting really into that. Yeah, I mean, that was fun, but I, I think I enjoyed the idea of sticking my hands up a giant nose into snot to retrieve flags far more than uh, a rickety bridge. And then there's ever Guts, could. and I appreciated the aggro crag. But that looked like it required athletic skill, so that for me was right out. Yeah, guts. Yeah, I forgot about guts, but uh, yeah, not not a huge fan of that one. All the love in the world to Mike O'Malley. I do enjoy Mike O'Malley. What about Wild and Crazy Kids? Was that a game show? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Some people say you can't do that on television. That was a sketch show that just happened to feature kids. That Correct. That was a, that was a sketch show. show. That doesn't count. No. And then there was no. What Would You Do, which just seemed like a weirder version of Double Dare. I don't remember What Would You that Do. Was I, mean, another I Mark... remember the name, but I don't remember. That was another Mark Summers. What would you do? What, what, what would you yeah, do? Yeah, I, I, I do remember the song, but maybe, yeah, all I can see is Mark Summers, so I'm seeing Double Dare. Um it had the pie. There were pie contraptions. That wasn't just Double Dare? I think it, they made their own version. The pie hmm. pendulum. The pie asking slide. questions about another family member. And if you got them wrong, the pie got closer to your face. Oh, said, yeah, I remember this. It's yeah, essentially like a, contraptions. an Edgar Allan Poe short story. <laughs> oh, Mark Summers. Yeah. They oh, did the some 90s. sort of like Halloween's mystery special where like they were like locked in a mansion and there was like an evil magician or something. I don't remember exactly, but I loved that when I was a kid. I taped it. I had it on VHS and I watched the crap out of that thing, whatever it was called. Do you think kids today <clears throat> are missing out on the joys of the rewind? Like you, you know. I remember when no. the D, I remember when the DVD like first came out, and people were like, "You don't have to rewind it if you want to watch that scene again. You just press a button and it plays again." And I'm like, "That nah, seems wrong. You gotta." I mean, in fairness, the DVD model's not that far off from YouTube, right? You can just skip yeah. back thirty seconds, or you can manually <clears throat> scrub. I but mean. there were there were machines. That sole purpose would be you would put the VHS tape in and the all it would do would, it would be rewind it very quickly. Did you? Did your family have one of those? No, of course not. That would be way too much money. Oh, um, wow. We had one and no. it was glorious. No, you just – you would put you it were, in. You were one of those families that would return the VHSs without rewinding them. We, were, we always were kind and rewound, which doesn't work in the past tense. Even though it took you 16 years to rewind a single tape because you were doing it at normal VCR speeds. I remember having the 1989 Batman on VHS, and I'd put it in to watch it, and it would be at the end, and I would just go, ah, forget this. And I would go (laughs) watch something else. Rather than rewind, that just stayed – that and Mr. Mom with my – starring Michael Keaton 
and Terry Gar. I, we were big Michael Keaton fans, apparently, the Matthews clan. All right, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, this is DDT Wrestling now. We've rebranded yet again. We were shouted out on NAI Pod yesterday as being we were? the stalwarts, the anchors of the NAI network family, whatever. And Jason still called us DC and Doc Talk. And I was like, okay. Whatever. <laughs> we well, in fairness, that's what we were on their network. I understand. Right? I understand. But yes, we were we were shouted out as, you know, the anchors always providing excellent shows every week. I got a DM from Liam Stryker that says he thinks we're doing great work. So why? That part I don't know. I, <clears throat> he meant you know he was he was talking about maybe some collaboration over the summer between DDT and NAI. Ah, I see. Now they want something. (laughs) Yeah, I see how it is. I said I refused any cross-brand until you're put in the Hall of Fame. Because I don't know that they did their Hall of Fame. I might have missed it. I have no idea. I understand. Because I frequently will get replies now and responses where I'm like, it looks like there should be more to this thread on Twitter, but I can't see parts of it. And typically I can't see the beginning tweet. Why is that, Doc? Uh, you know, because it probably because it was started by somebody who I um, muted? I don't follow or, or uh, muted or blocked. Oh, or my goodness. Something. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's get In into this. I'm not sure what I did. It might just be a mute. I don't know. Let, let's get into the wrestling conversation because uh, it is a, a big wrestling week. Double or nothing happened. Um, neither of us watched it, though. I did watch the Battle Royal and uh, I know you've seen clips, which, you know, I thought it was interesting that people were like basically going around like high school drug dealers being like, you want a free stream? I got a link. I yeah. got a link to a free stream. You want a free stream? I heard it was all over Twitter, but I didn't look because, again, I, I, I do feel strongly about paying for the things that I believe are worth consuming. However, they also have to be a cost that I am reasonably willing to pay. <clears throat> and... If I'm not willing to pay $50 to watch uh, Double or Nothing, then I guess I won't watch Double or Nothing. Um, you did see clips, though. And <clears throat> I know you feel you felt this way because I had mentioned uh, when we had talked briefly over the weekend, and I, I'm sure that event will come up at some point. Um, <clears throat> but I had mentioned that I was somewhat impressed with the look and the style and the aesthetics of the show. And you did your usual, So would you like to comment on how Double or Nothing looked, how AEW presented itself for this show? I think they did an okay job overall. Um, But I do think that there were some questionable choices. I, I think... You know, back when we were talking about one of their early press conferences they did, they didn't call them press conferences. I forget what they call them now. But, um, you know, they had all the young bucks out there and Cody and being like, I'm a vice president. No, I'm a vice president. You say, no, I want to say it. No, I want to. And they did that again on this show. But then this time Kenny Omega was there and said something. And I don't like I get it. Like you want to do you, you want to, you want to got, you want wrestlers to come in. You guys want to do what you think is fun. You don't want to be shoving scripted promos down anybody's throat. Like I get that there's a certain amount of improv there. And I think that is ultimately going to lead to a more interesting product. Um, but I didn't find that entertaining the last time you did it. And I didn't find it entertaining this time either. Some of the backstage stuff with this, particularly with the young bucks, I, I don't find the this is and this is me probably. I'm sure that many people out there will tell me otherwise. I don't find the young bucks particularly charismatic. So when they're going around backstage and he runs into another wrestler and then he starts going off somewhere else and then a ref comes up to him and then he, then they super kick the ref for some reason. Like I, I don't know, man. Like I don't I don't engage with them on that side of things. I'm sure they are excellent wrestlers. But 
I don't think that they are excellent in terms of charisma. And I think spending a lot of time with them, to me, is off-putting. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people who feel otherwise. Many people love Generation Me. We are not one of them. Maybe no. it's because we're from an older generation. Um, I but can't I do, stick- I, Again, I just feel like you know, that kick off the show, this monumentous occasion, instead of going out, going out there and doing the I want to do it, no, I want to do it thing. Like, I, you know, that might be a situation where maybe you script something, you know, amongst yourselves. Like, kick it back and forth before you go out there and come up with something a little better than that. I, I don't know. Like, I, I just, it didn't... That's again, I don't think that's necessarily anything to say about where the product will go. I'm sure that there is merit, I think, to the creative process, as I understand that they are trying to bring to the table. Um, But sometimes it falls flat for me. And I I, I don't get that impression with the WWE, even when, you know, and we'll probably talk about this later, even when guys are going out there and saying things that apparently don't make any sense to them, at least unless you're Bray Wyatt. They tend to at least make some degree of logical sense. Like there is this sense that thought was put into what's being said in some way. Um, so I, I don't know. And I, I sometimes I don't get that impression um, from some of the things I've seen from AEW. Uh, I guess. Also, no. yeah. Cody Rhodes attacking that Triple H thing looked low rent to me. Like that Triple H, whatever that thing was that he took a sledgehammer to, like that kind of looked like your your Halloween store backyard styrofoam prop, and the the, the 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 fog shooting off of it like a second too late after he hit it, and only like a small piece of it chipping off. I, I don't know. Like that also, production value wise, I thought was not great. Not great. <clears throat> see what I find interesting about this is I didn't see any of that. <laughs> The clips I watched, I watched Cody's promo after the Dustin match, which was fine. Yes, that was good. Um, I need my my brother. I Um, think Cody Rhodes is quite a talent. I I think Dustin Rhodes is quite a talent. I've got to tell you, if if, when you ask me who my top five all time are, he's probably going to make that list, if not six or seven. Um the the John Moxley debut was quite enjoyable. He clearly is, you know. I did something I never do. What's that? I listened to a wrestling podcast this week. Did you? I, I was. We were going to transition into the talk is Jericho. Did you hear the whole thing? I've I've heard clips. I've read transcripts. I personally don't need to hear the whole thing. But I'm delighted to know you did. What do you, what's your takeaways from Talk is Moxley or Mox is Jericho? Or? Uh, the episode title was The Emancipation of John Moxley. Okay. And I, it was a good show. I mean, obviously, the guy was um, frustrated with his character and creative direction in the WWE, and he thinks that he can do better elsewhere. And he was not shy about burning all of his bridges. Um, He came across as a guy who says, I've made enough money, so fuck y'all. And that's certainly a way to go. I will say it it stood in stark contrast to Chris Jericho, who at times would say, I think I sort of understand how you feel. And every example that he would bring up was about WCW. (laughs) Clearly, one of them probably has no desire to work for the WWE again. And the other one is Chris Jericho. Well, the problem with that is, at least I think, I don't know why Triple H or Vince McMahon would give Chris Jericho a pass just because, for the most part, I'm not saying completely, he did say, you know, a few things here and there about the creative process in the WWE. For the most part, he did try to keep it pretty neutral. But at the same time, why would Vince or Triple H give him a pass in the future when really what Chris Jericho did was he gave John Moxley a platform? You know what I mean? Like, he has an audience that listens to that show, and he opened that up for the things that John Moxley said. And ergo, I could see 
people in the WWE holding him somewhat responsible for those things. I think despite trying to couch his opinions that it probably doesn't bode well for his future relations with that company. It depends on how you, you know, you heard the whole thing. I did not. So I can't say for sure. Hold on. I just have one of those moments where I'm like, I should make sure I'm recording this. I am. Life's good. Um, The clips I heard and what I read made it sound like, yes, uh, Moxley is clearly very frustrated with WWE. He is clearly very glad to be there. But I don't recall him saying anything completely disparaging. Yes, he doesn't like the creative process. Yes, he doesn't agree with how Vince McMahon does business. Compared to CM Punk on the Colt Cabana show all those years ago, CM Punk was angry and bitter and, you know, it was more, I wanted to be better and I wanted more match placement and it should have been more about me and it wasn't. Moxley seemed, and again, from what I've heard and seen, uh, was very much like that process sucks and I didn't like yes. it. I and think I think Moxley came across very well yes. in this interview. Uh, he did not come across as a whiner. He came across honestly as an artist, as somebody who feels like he was not he, he was very thankful for the experiences that WWE provided him. Sure. Ultimately, he was very thankful, I think, for the money. Well, of course. Is what I really and he met his wife. Heard. Yeah. You know, he did say that. And he was he also talked very positively about his experience with Make a Wish and how lucky mm-hmm. he was to be involved in that. Sure. But when you literally say, quote, your creative Vince, your creative process sucks, fix it, end quote, I just don't know how favorable anyone from that company is gonna look upon you ever again. He was burning bridges. He may have been. I, I feel like Punk took a flamethrower to his bridge. Well, Punk also basically made some very serious accusations about how they were handling his physical well-being. And sure. again, Moxley completely avoided anything like that. If anything, I think you could say that he came across as positive. You know, he said, I had to take time off this torn tricep. It was supposed to be four months. It ended up being nine months because I was banged up because I'd been working hurt. But they gave me that time. They allowed me the time that I, you know what I mean? But at the same time, he also talks about how Vince McMahon said, I'm not going to bury you. And then immediately the same Monday Night Raw says, oh, you're going to go out there and job to Nia Jax. You're burying me like he, he he very clearly states that, you know, they didn't necessarily go out of their way to bury them as bad as they could have. Maybe they got cold feet about burying him on the way out, but they did in some ways try to bury him. He even goes behind the curtain a little bit, talks about how they are now currently burying EC3 because of EC3 getting booed in a program with Dean Ambrose in which he was supposed to be a face. I mean, ostensibly, anybody can see that they were booing EC3 because, one, he's a great heel, not a great face, and they were going to cheer Ambrose no matter what because they knew he was on his way out of the company. So then for him to go behind the curtain like that and put them on blast for how they're treating a current talent, again, you're burning bridges. You're putting putting the business itself out there. Not not in the same way as CM Punk. No. But no more forgivable. I don't know. Both, neither of them, I think, were really looking for forgiveness. And Moxley strikes me very much as a guy who's like, I made my money. I had that experience. And you said it yourself. He is sounded like an artist. WWE is paint by numbers. It just has to be right now, or at least they feel it has to be because of the size of the company. It's the biggest thing going. It's got all these connections and business dealings and all of that. So it's very much paint by numbers. A guy like Moxley wants to be able to express himself creatively. And they're like, oh, great. You want to express yourself creatively? Okay, have a plant. Have a hot dog cart, which... We enjoyed because WrestleMania sure is something that appeals to us, but I can see that not being, you know, for someone like him, he wants to be able to go and paint whatever masterpiece he feels like he's capable of doing, and that's not going to work in the system, and he's clearly not going to be the only guy that feels that way. Now, the interesting thing to me will be he showed that if you 
play your cards right, you keep off of social media, you don't go out and say, hey, I asked for my release today, and you just kind of bide your time, when your contract is up, you can go do those things. So, yeah. I mean, he was certainly in a unique position in that his contract was, in fact, ending. Yeah. Um, so he's not asking for a release. So it's sort of a different situation. It may I mean? have been, but but at the same time, this is the right way to go about it. Like if you, it, well, it's the best way to go about it if you want to get your royalties, and you sure as hell better believe he's gonna get his. Yeah, and I think that's it. Like, I don't know that he ever wants to wrestle again, but you know, at some point, the Shield will go into the Hall of Fame. At some point, we will get oh. one. Did you Did hear he, about that? I I have I have heard very little about any of this. He talks about the Shield special that aired on. The oh yeah, you got five hundred dollars. Documentary. He got five hundred dollars, which is what they pay local enhancement talent to just show up backstage, even if you're not used on the show. That was their final fuck you to Dean Ambrose. Like, don't you think? Like that again? You're putting the them on blast. Like, again, it's not making accusations about how they're treating the physical health of their independent contractors. It's a different degree, yeah. I would say. Um, but that's yeah. still not something I can imagine anyone on the business side looking favorably upon now being out there. But again, he's within his rights to say it. Yeah. Just don't expect to get a welcome back tour when you do no, decide. No, and I don't think he wants one. WWE. And Jericho is the Hall of Fame. Like, Jericho is the quote unquote living legend like I think you know yes I understand what you're saying you know he provided this opportunity I'm sure he'll do it again when Brody Lee Luke Harper or when whoever the next guy is like I'm sure talk is Jericho is going to become kind of the former WWE guy now in AW getting the chance to speak his mind but I think Jericho still has a, a you know a door but it's made me, you know, I didn't watch the show. I watched some of the Battle Royal. Uh, it was interesting. I tweeted out a bunch of things over the weekend on how AEW needs to decide what it is because that Battle Royal, for the most part, would have felt very at home in a WWE show. It had its gimmicks. It had its, you know, set moments. There's a guy in jeans wearing a dinosaur mask. There's a man with no legs. There's, you know, somebody with a flamboyant character that involves moves involving their gluteus. Well, you have to understand that, at least this is how I understand it anyways, that to some extent you needed to have that battle royal set up that way to showcase all the other guys on your roster who aren't in matches. You don't have a weekly TV show yet. You know what I mean? No. If you want to start getting those people out there, you have to line it up, get them their spots. But what spots? Because they already are building for their next show, which is Fight for the Fallen, and they're already announcing some matches like uh, Cody and Dustin versus the Young Bucks. I don't know why they're going to fight each other. I don't know what storyline issues Cody has with the Young Bucks. Maybe I missed it, or maybe it's just, but, you know. As I already said, they don't have a weekly show. I understand. There are no storylines. But my point is, the the matches that are announced, these big matches, aren't going to feature Jungle Boy. And they're not going to feature Ace Romero. And, Correct. You know, so, so, but it's, but come October, there will be a need for a mid card, pay per views aren't the place for those people right now. Not so. What you're saying is, big this matches. is all, this is all exposure. Yes, it's exposure. It's foundational. And I need to buy. And I need. I need to be patient. Is what you're telling me. Yeah. Okay. You might be right, but I'm. I'm just again. I think it's great that it exists. I think it's great that Moxley's there. I think it's great that people seem to be receptive. Do you know what they've announced for buys? Have they announced that yet? How many people bought? I do not know. I don't know if it's been announced. So. But at the same time, there's so many different ways that you could have ordered that show. I, I don't even know how one begins to put those numbers together. Yeah, you might be right. But 
ITV, TV Player, Virgin Media, all hosted in the UK. You know, the satellite services and cable networks here had it on traditional pay-per-view. You could get it through Fight TV. It was hosted by a different company in Canada and Germany. And I mean, I'm sure somebody's got all the numbers, but I don't know how long it takes to actually count them and put them all together when they're coming from so many different sources, you know? There's a ringside news article that said, you know, it easily beat numbers from the UFC. Not that that particularly means it. I'm happy it exists. I am just, I guess I'm looking to the future and worrying about how this is going to work in the long term. And that is probably something I don't need to do. I should just enjoy it for what it is. Uh, what I'm going to enjoy, what it is, and I don't even know if you know we're here. Um, this Saturday is the next NXT TakeOver. Huh. NXT TakeOver 25. Cool. Uh, I'll just share the matches with you. Let me guess. Uh, uh, the NXT champion is Johnny Gargano. Correct. And he's probably facing Adam Cole again. Correct. All right. The women's champion is probably Shayna Baszler. Correct. And she will be facing Bianca Belair. False. Ah. Who's she facing? Io Shirai? Yes. Ah, okay. Uh, they have a they have a, a mid-card belt now. I forget what it's called. The North American Championship. Okay, and is that still the dream? Correct. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he will be facing... Matt Riddle. No. Damn it. Cash Asono? No. He is facing someone from the WWE roster. Ricochet. No. Aleister Black. No. How long do you want to keep going with this? He is facing um, one half of a very hilarious uh, tag team. Eugene is back? <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, he is facing one Tyler Breeze. For oh, the well, that's how you threw me off when you said he's a member of the main roster. I saw reports <laughs> that Tyler Breeze was officially an NXT member again. I've seen that with like that Killian Dane is also one, but he's not on this card. All right. So you've you've gotten three the three singles titles. Who are the tag team champions? Heavy machinery. No, <laughs> uh, it's a trick question. Sorry, it's a trick question. It's a trick question. There is no champion? The current tag team titles are vacant. War Raiders have, or the Viking Raiders, whatever they're called, they have surrendered the titles because they are now on the main roster. So we will be getting a fatal four-way ladder match for the tag the team undisputed titles. Undisputed Era. Correct. Versus, I cannot name three <laughs> other tag teams in NXT. I don't, I don't think I can name one other tag team. The Street Profits. Oh, are they wrestling now? Because the they've forgot been around for years. One of them has the Forgotten Sons. I have never heard of the Forgotten Sons. And uh, Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch. Oh, okay, yeah, they're good. The Forgotten Sons is the other half of Blake and Murphy, which would Murphy? be Blake. Blake Murphy's on the main roster. Okay, it's Blake and Steve Cutler, who's another guy you've never heard of. I feel like I've heard that name, Steve Cutler. He's he's been in NXT for a while. He's one of those guys that I think at one point he wrestled with uh, Scott Dawson when they wore like flannel vests and trucker hats and yeah, maybe I, I think I might remember yeah. him from that. Um, and then the only I, other match you've yeah. missed is Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. Wait a minute, how who's the undisputed era then? Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Oh, Bobby Fish is healthy again. Injured. Yes, Bobby uh, Fish okay. was. Now, apparently, he's healthy again. Is Roderick Strong still a part of the Undisputed Era? Yes. They had some tension. It looked like they were going to break up. And now they apparently have reestablished rapport. Oh, okay. thank goodness. I was concerned. So <laughs> I can tell. Uh, again, NXT TakeOvers are historically good. This, on paper, looks very good. So I'm looking forward to this you Saturday. You said that was a fatal four-way ladder match? Yes. All right. 
That sounds that sounds good. Montez Ford will dive off of something. Um, I want Oni Lorkin to dive off of something. He will probably dive off of something. The Forgotten Sons will hit people with things. Uh, the Forgotten Sons also have Jackson Riker, who I think was Bram. Jackson Riker. Oh. Wait. Bram is terrible. No, wait. Don't quote, don't quote me on that. Oh, Gunner. Excuse me. He was Gunner, not Bram. He was Gunner. Which one's Bram? Bram was the one that was married to Charlotte, I think. Oh. Uh, Bram. Okay. Yeah, he's now in the Indies. And Gunner. Is Gunner the guy with the giant thighs? I love that that's how you uh Yeah, that's the guy with the giant thighs. Yeah. Yeah. So they're yeah. they're they're a trio. Gunner is terrible. I actually don't remember Bram. Gunner okay. was not good in TNA. He doesn't wrestle much. He's more the manager. He wrestles sometimes, but the Forgotten Sons are the guys that get the most. And they're not okay. bad. They're not bad. They might actually wind up winning this. So, just a reminder if you feel like going on to the WWE network Saturday night it's going to be some decent wrestling. Hmm. Uh, we have some decent emails. We have eight of them, in fact. Podcast at DDTWrestling.com. Uh, the first one, I knew we were going to get this. People loved our cake talk. Uh, the first one is from Kev. And hey, it's... that baby girl's got some serious cake. <laughs> Cakes and desserts. Evening chaparinos. Top quattro deserts or cakes from my view. Number one, the Battenberg. I used to eat this for dinner at the uni. Number two, do you know what Battenberg? Wait, stop. Do you know what Battenberg is? <laughs> no. Okay. No idea. I'm looking, I'm what is Battenberg? It is um, a light sponge cake with the pieces covered in jam, and then it's covered with marzipan. And it, it has a checker. There's some pink cake and some yellow cake. All right. Well, now I've got to look this up. It looks interesting. It's very pretty. Looks like a checkerboard. Oh, yeah. I've seen that before. I bet you that's delicious. That looks delicious. Um, Where's the email? Number uh, two. Coffee cake. He likes coffee. Yes, I love a good coffee cake. Delicious. Yeah. I love cinnamon, sugar, and more mm, brown sugar. Um, warm treckle tart. Had this for my wedding breakfast. What's that? I've heard that mentioned in Harry Potter. They talk about it. Um, it's a. Well, I'm not going to say it's a tart because we know that. It kind of looks like a crumble. No. As I'm trying to look at it, it's. I don't know what it is. What is a warm treacle tart? Let me look at a recipe. Short crust pastry with a thick filling made of golden syrup. Breadcrumbs and lemon juice or zest. A modern alternative uses ground almonds in place of the breadcrumbs. I was going to say bread. Interesting. Uh, okay. It's kind of like a custard. Then. All right. Ish. Maybe. Oh, man. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know. I'm uncomfortable. All right. Um, for prof- profiteroles. Prof- profiteroles. Profiteroles. Yes. Profiteroles. Profiteroles. With, profiteroles. With cream. I like sliding my tongue in and out of the cream. That's a, we would call it. It's a Boston it, cream donut, right? It's, what is it called? A cream puff. It's a cream puff. Ah, why didn't you say that? Gosh, Kevin. <laughs> they may not be the same in the U.S. of A's. So would be interested to know if you have them or what you think they are. Thanks, Kev. Yeah, I I like a good cream puff. I like cream puffs. They're delicious. I like coffee cake. It's good. Um, I don't know that I've ever had Battenberg. No, I know there's a cake that is based on the Mondrian art piece, and it's like four different colors. But that's what that reminded me of. All right, Glenn. He was the one that started this whole thing. Let them eat cake. Duh. Hi again, gents. The great cake debate rumbles on. My idea of a cake is any delicious thing with a base made from flour, eggs, butter, milk, water, some type of rising agent mixed together and baked in an oven to achieve a sponge base. We have a lot of cakes over here that involve adding cream and jam jelly to them. 
On the wrestling front, as you read this, I will be at a local show from a promotion called LDN. They are doing a Survivor Series type show, England versus USA. I'll let you know how that went and who turned up in next week's email. I think that's enough for me for now. Thanks as always. Glad. I can't tell you how happy I am that we have people who like email every week and they're, they're, they really are part of the show. Do you? Have you, you seen that? Aladdin? What? Did you, did you see Aladdin? The new Aladdin mm-hmm. movie? No. I Part of the show and then I went, part of your world. And that means Did you cool. see it? No, it looks terrible. I don't remember yeah. liking the original. All right. Mitchell, an email from Bo Burnham. I'm too lazy to write my own thoughts this week. What are your thoughts on this quote from comedian Bo Burnham? You know, and I feel like I was born in 1990, and I was sort of raised in America when it was a cult of self-expression, and I was just taught, you know, express myself. And have things to say, and everyone will care about them. And I think everyone was taught that, and most of us found out no one gives a beep what we think. So we flock to performers by the thousands, because we're the few that have found an audience. And then I'm supposed to get up here and say, follow your dreams, as if this is a meritocracy. It is not, okay? I had a privileged life, and I got lucky, and I'm unhappy. Social media. It's, I, I believe that's the end. Nope, nope, it's not the end of the quote. The quote continues. Forgive me. Social media. It's just the market's answer to a generation that demanded to perform, so the market said, here, perform. Perform everything to each other, all the time, for no reason. It's prison. It's horrific. It's performer and audience melded together. What do we want more than to lie in our bed at the end of the day and just watch our life as a satisfied audience member? I know very little about anything, but what I do know is that if you can live your life without an audience, you should do it. Your thoughts? I don't know. Easy for a guy with a lot of money to say that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, he's... Like I said, he has an audience. He's privileged. He got lucky. He made his money. It's pretty easy to say the system's broken when you already profited off of it. Well, I don't understand in a lot of cases why actual celebrities have social media. Like, granted, you probably have someone who runs it for you. Like Vince McMahon's not checking his own Twitter page. I mean, that said, like, I don't disagree with the sentiment. I think social media fucking sucks. And I can't believe that people spend so much time on it posting pictures of things like what they're eating. Like, or, you know what I mean? Like, there is a bunch of just refuse on there. And that's largely why I don't interact on it much. But I, I don't know. Like, I just, again, I feel like I do feel like nobody gives a shit what I have to say. So why am I going to keep putting my thoughts out there? And so I don't, you know, I I don't know. So I don't disagree with the sentiment here. But again, it's easy for him to say when he's already made his money off of it. So I don't know. I like the idea that people can have a voice, even if I don't always agree with what they have to say. Um, I think when you're when you're basing too much of your own self-worth on your social media presence, your your perspective's a little skewed at that point. So I think if you use it because you enjoy it and you've, you know, like I feel like we have the cultivated this very, you know, a, a relatively small but quite enjoyable community and we get to interact and check in on each other's lives and things, I think that's great. That wouldn't have happened without social media. But I do understand what he's saying. Uh, Jeremy, cheap plug. (laughs) A short and sweet one. Let's call it an Oscar for you this morning. That's a reference, I presume, to my dog. Hashtag Oscar. Yes. If you were given a one minute ad slot during the first commercial break of Raw, but you were not allowed to sell or promote anyone's podcast, including your own. How would you use it? So you're given 60 seconds during the first commercial break of Raw. But you can't promote 
podcasts. You could promote other things, I suppose. He doesn't say you couldn't, you know, support a local charity or something like that. You're I'd making just a, turn it down. You're making. I was gonna say you're making a face that tells me you're going to disagree with the premise of the question. No, I just I don't. I just the more I think about it, what am I gonna do in a minute? Like, could I go up there and and soapbox about things like how people don't understand, um, how people don't understand GMOs and or how Roundup isn't causing cancer for you, or how five G wireless technology isn't dangerous? Could I go up there and and talk about any of these logical fallacies that everybody seems to succumb to, and talk about why you're wrong and why science is good? Sure, I could, but nobody wants to hear that because it doesn't fit their personal narrative and biases, so they're not going to listen to it. It's not going to make any difference, so I don't know what's the point. See, and I went with, I would be like, hey, hey, you enjoying the show? I'm glad. You know, if you're not enjoying the show, turn the damn thing off. No one's forcing you to watch this. Go do something else. Read a damn book. Go outside, hug a tree, or fast forward, wait and fast forward. Like, I'd be, you know, talking to the actual raw audience member and be like, look, you don't have to sit here for three hours. You don't. You can, you can enjoy this content in a different way. But I suppose <laughs> I could talk about, you know, important stuff. Uh, che, draft season. Hey, guys, hope you are well is draft season on the horizon if so how's it going down this year all the best che time for his samsung galaxy smartphone remember when emma used to do this dance yep um draft season is on the horizon um how is it going down that's still you know my goal is to kick off the draft when i'm done with work so if you can wait two more weeks uh then you know, we'll, we'll get kicked off. Um, how is it going to work? I'm not going to have, we're going to have, well, that's not true. We might have multiple draft pools cause people are into it, but, uh, I'm going to try to get a single set of rules and that's it. Cause I had like multiple things going on and I couldn't remember what was happening. So we're going to do, uh, the, the year draft where you have to pick somebody who's been active in the last 12 months And then I might do after that an all-time draft, uh, but I'm going to be a little more picky about who I take into those draft pools because people kind of burn out after a while. Um, So, yeah. So stay tuned. There will be be info forthcoming, Che. Don't you worry. And Doc, I can tell, is really excited. Chomping at the bit. Danielle, Summer Games, hello. As I mentioned last week, I'll get to work with kids for a full day camp or daycare Monday through Friday. My director moved me from working with kindergarten, hallelujah, and now I'll get to have some experience with second graders who will be going into third grade this fall. Four of the kids I already know since they were on my route when I picked them up from their schools this past semester. I'm interested in seeing how the rest of the 20 kids will be. And I found out that I'll be in charge of a specific rotation for 30 minutes before lunch. The idea is that every day will be a new grade or group, and by the end of the week, you'll have rotated through arts and crafts, music, education, quiet time, and fun and games. I hope you get to run quiet time. A couple of weeks ago, I was directing kids to play a scoreless game of volleyball that was a little more complicated and creative. The game lasted for over an hour, which was the most any of them had ever played team games together, since some kids don't like competitive games. Some adults don't like those either. My director asked someone what game it was, and then I told her I had made up everything on the fly. And when I heard and saw all 30 kids playing, I knew you were meant to be in charge of fun and games this summer. Hey, look at you. In fairness, it was the kids that said that she made everything up. You said that she said that to Oh, my director asked someone what game it was, and they told her. Ah, Uh forgive me. Questions. Were you guys into competitive games as a kid? Nope, I always, still not. I always preferred being a mediator and referee, and I still play that role, especially as a teacher. Um, I played soccer, 
and by played, I ran up and down the sideline because I wasn't good enough to actually play. And by ran, you mean I could you run. I could run as a kid. <laughs> um, and then I wrestled in high school, so that was fairly competitive until I got tired and just laid down. Uh, my mom once told me that. She's like, I can see the moment where you give up and you just go, oh. You, you recently shared that on this podcast, and that was what I was laughing at, yeah. thinking about your mom telling you that again. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, I've never been one for competitive games. I'm not an athlete. I know that. I still don't like competitive games. Don't ask me to play a board game or a card game. I am not in. <laughs> There's some exceptions. There's like one or I, two yeah. exceptions. Yeah, and I play video games, which are can be competitive. Yeah. But. Do you think that parents slash teachers slash people worrying about playing kids playing in or removing them from competitive games and the like could become problematic later on? I think she's referring to the whole, well, I don't know if she's referring to the whole everyone gets a trophy, but that does sometimes, like, I'm playing... Someone has to lose. Yes. And people have to learn that losing is okay. Yeah. And get used to it because there can only be one winner. Like Bo Burnham, who won, and everybody else who lost. (laughs) Um, Yeah. My kids found a game of chess online that they're playing even though they don't really know how to play. And one of my kids really wants to play with me. And so we've played for a couple of days. And I win almost every time. And they're like, I'm never, why don't you let me win? And I'm like, because that's not how this works. And (laughs) A, I don't know how to let someone win at chess. I guess I could just move my king out and be like, please take it. But I tried that and I still won. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, What games, board games, card games, etc., did you enjoy playing as a kid? Or ones that you didn't like then, but would enjoy now? Cheers, Danielle. Well, Doc already answered this. He doesn't like anything. Games yeah, wise. I mean, is there a really. is there a board game that you will play? Candyland, the worst board game of all time, <laughs> but it's completely random. So, like, there's nothing to get upset about. I don't know. I hate Risk. Risk is the worst fucking thing in existence. It takes 18,000 hours to play the damn game. But by hour two, you basically know if you've lost or not. And so then you're just going through the damn motions the rest of the time. It's it's infuriating. I hate it. It's a waste of time. I don't like it at all. What about Monopoly? Yeah, so the problem with Monopoly is I don't believe anybody ever has ever actually finished a game of Monopoly. I think you play for a little while, you get bored, somebody gets mad, they flip the pieces, you put them away, and you never go back. Like, Or you're just not playing by the actual rules. Now, I would think, for various reasons, that you might enjoy Clue. Um, I only played Clue, I think, once as a kid. The problem with Clue is you need four people to play it. And when you're in a family that only has four people and somebody is always like, I don't want to play, you never have enough people to actually play it. So, But if we got Clue play. and we got enough people, you might play. Eh, I don't know. Battleship? Eh, it's all right. It's kind of <laughs> dumb. But. Okay. Uh, I my kid, My kids are really into Uno right now. I de- I dealt an eight person Uno game yesterday. I ju- I didn't play. I just held the cards and made sure people knew what to play and when because they're seven. They don't exactly know how to play. I have a kid who insists that you can put a skip on any color. <laughs> I'm just going to nod as though I've ever played Uno in my life and I know what the rules are. Okay, man. Uh, it's a good game. Maybe someday we'll play Uno. No, I don't think so. But We've heard from our good buddy Simon, the sport monkey. Good day, good sirs, and hello from rainy Manchester. It's our normal state. We know what to do in the rain. We know where we are. It's the weather of Ellis Lowry, the weather of the birthplace of the world's first stored program computer in 1948. The weather of the birthplace of suffragette legend... Emmeline Pankhurst. Is he making this up? 
this no, but real. I got I got a DM from him. We've been conversing about something else, and he said, "Just so you know, I wrote your email at the end of a very long day of writing. So I apologize if it doesn't make any sense." The weather that makes me think of all this as I sit here and write to you. I'd like to know what you both thought of the John Moxley interview. Happiness in any workplace is crucial, isn't it? I'm glad he found it. I also think Mrs. Moxley could have done without Jericho mentioning her presence as she probably walked through the door through... As she, as she probably walked through, oh, hey, Renee. How long before Renee just walks away from WWE? Or does she at all? If you enjoy what you've read and how could you... I'll be back soon. Much love from me. Um, she'll finish out her contract, and then she'll either go to ESPN, because I'd heard the rumors that they had ESPN was after her, or I don't think she's going to go to AEW. Um, no. But she'll, she'll serve her time, and she'll skedaddle. I'm actually interested to see... I, again, I've got no insider information. But everything that people like to say on the internet would paint those in charge of the WWE as fairly petty, childish people. Um, I'd be interested to know how they go about treating Renee for the remainder of her contract. Despite the fact that she herself likely has done nothing wrong. Just, you know, I'm sort of curious to see how that plays out for her. I think she'll, you know, there was talk before this all happened that they were going to take her off commentary and give her some sports center type show every week to run. I don't know that that happens now because everyone will assume that's her being punished. So I think she stays on commentary. But again, I, I don't know the details of her contract when it's over, but I have to imagine that she'll serve out her time and then move on just like her husband did. Did he say something like if, you know, he's not happy, they can just sell all their stuff and live in an RV or something like that? Or was that from a different interview? If he said all right, it, somebody I had it. tweeted something out about how one of them had said, if, you know, we don't, we're not happy, we'll just sell all of our things and live in a van or something like that. But. Yeah, I, I was listening right. at work, so I, I can't say I heard it 100%. Our final so. email of the evening comes from Darren. Mags and bags. Heiss? Okay. How are you both? What's the best and worst gifts that you've ever received? Regards, Darren, a.k.a. Max, sent from Yahoo Mail on Android. I'm also doing hmm. all right. I'm well. How are you? Um, Best gift? The one that comes to mind, um, besides my autographed Bret Hart plaque that some dear friends gave me for graduation, um, very early on in my relationship uh -huh. with the woman who would become Mrs. Matthews, um, she came over and gave me something. She knew I liked to cook, and she knew that uh, when I cook, I tend to leave the kitchen looking like a tornado went through it. And so she had gotten a chef's hat monogrammed, The Messy Chef. And she also got me splatter guards, which were not a thing that existed in my parents' house. When you cooked with, like, olive oil, you just understood that the stove would get dirty and then you'd clean it up afterwards. So we didn't have splatter guards. So all of a sudden I get these things. And it wasn't for a reason. I don't remember. I don't think it was for a birthday or anything like that. It... The mesh things. Yes. For splatter guards, you, you, you just put over it so that way when the oil or whatever you're cooking, when stuff spits out, it gets caught the on the splatter guard and doesn't make you have to clean your whole kitchen, um, which I do. Yeah, regularly. Yeah. Um, and it was just a just because gift. And for whatever reason, like, I don't just the fact that she was that thoughtful really resonated with me. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. And yourself. Uh, hmm. uh, the gift of life when I was going to be. Conceived. That's going to be a great thing for Mrs. Manson uh, to hear. She's walking around at work I, tomorrow. I, that I your uh, 
your greatest gift was conception. Well, and then I became the greatest gift, which was given to her. Wow. So, you know, that's um, the worst <laughs> gift I ever received. I have a st- I have a story for this one, too. I don't really um, know. Are you familiar like, with really the concept of a Yankee swap? Back and... Yeah. Yes, but for the listeners, maybe we would say that a Yankee swap is where there's a bunch of gifts and a bunch of people, and everybody goes around the room, picks a gift one at a time. The person picks a gift, opens it, and then has an opportunity yes. to swap it with so, anybody else who's already um, opened a gift before I go them. up to my great-aunt's house in Vermont, who I've met probably half a dozen times in my life at this point. I'm, I'll say 10. Could be a couple years on either side. Uh, and we're doing a Yankee swap for some reason. And I get the first pick. And so I pick the largest gift there. Because in my 10-year-old brain, size matters. And I open this large box, and it is industrial strength trash bags. And my dad, to this day, tells this story regularly because he says, I've never seen such excitement that immediately turned to heartbreak. He's like, you almost started crying because you expected it to be a toy. (laughs) And the fun fact was none of the gifts in this swap were toys. There was nothing for a 10-year-old kid. I believe I got a worry doll. That was the closest they could give me to to anything that a kid might like. Yeah, that reminds me of a Christmas morning where, you know, I had a few gifts, a half dozen or so, and I'm going through and opening up, and yes, there was this one large box, and I, you know, I'm usually pretty perceptive, even, this was probably mid-teens, I kind of guess what things are by the general shapes, and this was a big box, I had no idea what it could possibly be, it just... Huh. Well, okay, well, I'll open that one last because it's the one that I don't really think I have any clear idea of what it is, and it seems large, and it could be interesting. And, and yeah, yeah, I tear the paper off, I open the box, and it is just stuffed. It's just this cardboard box stuffed wall-to-wall with socks. Like regular oh, that's white great. athletic <laughs> socks. And I was just like... That's fantastic. Huh. That's fantastic. Except yours was huh. even more like, kind of the what same, is a 10-year-old going to of. do with industrial-sized trash bags besides tie himself up in one and pray for death? Yeah. I mean, suffocate. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> thank you all for your yeah. emails. Yeah. The, uh, the best gift, and this is, again, nothing to Mrs. Manson. I'm sure she's given me some wonderful gifts. I just... The thing that keeps popping into my mind is, you know, I, I, I stuck around at college or uni for our UK folks for a long time, and, and I participated in a, a group, you know, that we had been involved with as undergrads, uh, theater group, improv group, that sort of thing. Uh, and yes. in grad school, I, I, I led that this improv group for a while. And as I was finally leaving and saying, well, I, I really need to spend my time you know, focusing on my studies, the group of people that I had come to know, one of them was somewhat handy. They had recently gotten one of these machines that could, you know, be programmed to burn wood, like a, a laser, you know, cutter sort of thing. And uh, they created this this plaque for me, this wooden burned plaque that was a PhD in improvology. That's a very thoughtful uh, gift. I don't know why, but that's the one that, that comes to mind. Well, very yeah, good. It was. Um, I had that on my wall for a number of years. you have off the top of your head your piece of positivity? I apologize. I don't have a light on in here. <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting in the dark. It's awful dark. I can't um, see your features Do you have anymore. one or would you like me to go first? Okay. I have a couple. Um, the first piece of positivity is... I finally watched John Isn't Wick and John Wick 2. Yeah. Those movies are good. Yeah. Yeah. He's briefly in uh, the first one. 
I always knew I we would were, like those. We movies, were talking the other day about fun. Zombieland. I really feel like this summer I got to stop watching wrestling all the time. I got to go to like the library and like try to watch at least like one or two movies a week. Those essential movies that everyone's seen except for me. I believe Zombieland is currently streaming on Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. So I don't think you have to go to the library. I'm pretty sure <laughs> All right. you must have one of those. Good to know. What else you got? <laughs> well, there you go. FYI. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, uh, yes. Tomorrow that is looks good. opening day for I don't Godzilla usually go for those monsters. sorts of movies, but it looks very good. I love Godzilla. Yeah, it's still not the type of Godzilla movie that I want, but I'm going to go. My piece of positivity uh, took place on Sunday, I believe. Um, The wife and I went out to a new restaurant we had never been to, and we gathered with some friends of ours from college. Uh, Doc, Doc Manson was there. Mrs. Manson was there. Don't remember this. The tall guy was there. His wife was there. Um, I've got to say, that entire breakfast uh, gathering, (laughs) underwhelming. Okay. Well, it's my piece of positivity. (laughs) Um yeah, the, I don't remember the last time the six of us got together yeah. without there being a child or a dog. And it, it's been a very long time because the child I know, well, both both child and dog are about six or seven years old. It may have been before either of those were in the picture. But for two hours or so, we conversed, we ate I thought conversation was lively. We were quite loud. People kept looking over. I was surprised nobody came over and shushed us. Um, I, for one, had a good time. I know my wife had a good time. If you didn't have a good time, keep it to yourself, Doc. All right. Well, look, the food was good, but the company was just a little lacking. That's all I'm saying. Uh huh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And now you, I'm just focused on, on that the light for the last 30 seconds of this podcast. I'm sitting in that. the dark. I didn't notice until five minutes ago, and then I was kind of obsessed over it. But yes, caramelized banana pancakes, quite good. Um, the the hash fries, decent. I actually don't yeah. know the last time I saw Tall Guy's wife. I saw Tall Guy in November. We had not we had the, not seen them since not August, there at that so time. it had been so nine I months. I don't have any idea and the last time I saw her. While we didn't talk her job situation, she seemed good. He seemed okay. He's trying to grow facial hair. Good for him. It's not really working, but that's okay. He's not going to listen to this show. So... <laughs> By not really working... What you mean is you commented on it and said it looked good. And I just said nothing because For I him, couldn't trust it myself very to be good. nice. He's not he's someone who doesn't grow facial hair well, just like you. Uh it you know, it there were only a few places where there should have been hair and uh-huh. there wasn't. So afterwards we um the Mrs. Manson and I, we went over to the local home uh, hardware store. And when we were there in line, who, lo and behold, but who should come up behind us also getting into line was tall guy and the wife. And I was just talking to Mrs. Manson and he just sort of interjected into the conversation, said something. I glanced back at this guy who just was butting into my conversation. I looked at him in the face. I just like a half of a glance and kind of turned back to my wife. (laughs) I legitimately... Did not recognize him. Like, Mrs. Manson had to say something again about, like, oh, look who it is. And I was like, like, complete face blindness with that awful facial hair. It's I not, did not that bad. Yeah. But it was, anyone. It, it's, it's a different look from. We are approaching it's the point. It's not that bad, but he looks better without it. we will it. have known each other for equally as long of a time as the period in time where we didn't know each other. Now, that's different for you and Tall Guy because you've been friends since second grade, third grade. Yeah. 
But I came into the picture. I've known him since at, kindergarten. You know, around eighteen. We are now thirty-six. So I've known you, Doc Manson, half my life, and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's true. Well, luckily, we went long periods. Thankfully, we, we have this podcast, and, and we want to thank so you really for tuning into this podcast. <laughs> as we totally went into the, if you don't know us, you have no idea what we're talking about. Um, but send in pictures of what you think a tall guy who looks a little like Jeff Goldblum with bad facial hair looks like, please. Sketch sketch that out and send it to us, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. Anything else you'd like to say, Doc Manson, before we head out into that good night? If you'd like to have your thoughts read in the air, you can do so by sending an email to podcast at ddtwrestling.com. If you'd like to listen to all of our other episodes, you can do so by going to ddtpod.com or to your podcast repository of choice, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And finally, if you like what you've heard, and how could you? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT Wrestling to send just a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It helps us keep the lights Doc Manson, on and I the was not in the greatest of moods when we started this show an hour and five minutes later. I'm feeling very happy with my the world and my place in it. What did I say? <laughs> Well, now we know the title of the show. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And until we meet again, my friends, won't you be our bestie?